me tell you one of my favorite things, um, my favorite things in my college life, okay? It's not going to be what you thought. Um, I'm going to do that by telling you about one of my least favorite things in college. They're connected. They're very connected. Um, Okay, I never liked science. I'm sorry to those of you who are science people. It's just not a subject I was good at. All those weird formulas and words and chemicals and I just, I'm not good with that stuff. That's just not my cup of tea. No joke, in high school, my science slash chemistry teacher was Willie Nelson. That's not a joke. His name was William Nelson, not the Willie Nelson. Um, if you don't think that's funny, you don't know Willie Nelson too well. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, I, I, I never liked science unless it was followed by the word fiction. Then I was all over it. I was all over that. And when I got to college, I once again had to take these classes, and I was just hopeful not to. I'll admit it here, Janie is the only reason I made it through biology, okay? She helped me study. Thankfully, the Lord put us in that class together. But when I got there, I had to take these classes again, and my first, you know, at the beginning of this, this science class, we took a test, and I was like, a test already? No. And they gave us this test, and I'm telling you, I walked out of that, I was not prepared for this test, and I thought, okay, I failed that one. I'll probably flunk out of college. Here we go. And, you know, I just left thinking this is terrible. I didn't know what was going on. But there was one thing I didn't know about taking these tests at college that, that I just, I was not prepared for. In the very next class, we get our tests back. And somehow my grade went from an F to a B. Yeah, those of you, you understand what happened there, right? Thankfully, my teacher graded on what we call the curve. And in fact, everybody in that class failed that test. But that teacher, that teacher graded us on the curve. We all failed, but the, new, the teacher knew we were going to fail. The teacher knew it was going to happen and bumped all of our scores up. See, we got this grade we did not deserve. We didn't deserve that grade at all. And yet the teacher gave us what we like to call grace. Right? One of my favorite things about college and one of my least favorite things. Gave us grace on this test. Well, tonight I want us to see just how much grace God has given to us. It's a lot, isn't it? He's given us a tremendous amount of grace. You know, we deserve to fail. We get the F in this. He gives the mercy. And what we're to do with that mercy, we're going to look at that tonight. What do you do with this mercy? I want us to remember why we're here celebrating the Lord's Supper tonight. My title, Let the Redeemed Rejoice. Let the Redeemed Rejoice. We got a lot to rejoice about, right? We got a lot to celebrate. My main point is this, believers should rejoice because Christ redeemed us through his death. We should rejoice because Christ has redeemed us, and he did it 
through his death. Look in our text. Now, I know this is a text you are all very, very familiar with. You could probably teach me some things in this text. But I want us to look at this. And in this text, three times in this passage, we see who we are as humans. And then we see God's answer to this. It tells us exactly who we are. And then it gives us God's response to this. God's answer to this. So let's, let's look at who we are first. First of all, point number one, we deserve rage. We deserve God's rage, his wrath. That's what we deserve. Make no mistakes about it. What is verse 6? Look at verse 6. What does that say about us? What calls us weak? Says we are weak. How are we weak? How are we weak? You know, we're Americans. We're pretty strong. We're tough. We got it going on. We can pull our bootstraps up and get it going. Um, it's not what the Bible says. How are we weak? Well, here's the undeniable fact. We don't have the capability or the strength to battle against sin. It is incapable to us to battle sin. We have no hope of defeating sin. In fact, we are spiritually dead. We are dead. We can't fight sin. Why? Well, because our sin has made us immensely weak. We are weak. Look down at verse 8. Who are we here? He tells us we're weak, but who else? Well, we are sinners. This is interesting. He doesn't just say sinners. He says we are still sinners. Still sinners. Look, we know better. Isn't that true? Every time we sin, we know better. We know. But we're still sinners. It's not, oops, I accidentally sinned again. No, I sinned. I, I like it. I liked my sin more than I didn't like it. I, I liked doing my sin more than I liked not doing it. And so I sinned. And so we're still sinners. Um, by the way, that one word, sinners, that we're called there, that one thought is enough to condemn us all to face God's rage. That one thought will condemn us that we are still sinners. We just keep on sinning. Romans chapter 6 tells us that. For the wages of sin is death. See, we all know it. I don't even have to continue it. The wages of that sin is death. So the fact that he calls us sinners here tells us we deserve death. We are spiritually dead. We will face God's wrath. We will face his rage because of our sin, because we are sinners. And if that's not enough, look at verse 10. The third thing, so we're weak, we're sinners, and as if that's not enough, who are we here? We are enemies. He calls us enemies. We're the enemies of God. Now look, we've all had enemies. Our country has had enemies. Uh, we see our enemies as the bad guy, right? When you have an enemy, they're the bad guy. Um, I love movies, okay? I love great movies, and in nearly every movie, there's, a, there's an enemy, right? And there's a bad guy. And you know, when you go, I, I love those blow them up movies, you know, where they blow everything sky high. 
And in that movie, you've got the clear hero here, and you've got the clear enemy here. And in these movies, uh, we see who they are, and um, we, we, we know that's just the way the battle is. Let me give you some bad news. We are the enemies. That's the bad news of this. Um, you know, in those movies, you always hope that the bad guy gets what he deserves. You know? You see it coming and you're like, oh yeah, this guy at the end of this movie, he's going to get it. It's going to be good. And we think that's, a, that's something, oh, I can't wait for that part to see how this enemy gets it. You know, if we were to watch a real movie of our lives versus God, we would be pointing at us and going, oh, that guy's going to get it in a spectacular way. That guy's about to get it. He has sinned against the Almighty God, and he is way off base, and he is way wrong, and he's going to go out in spectacular fa-. That's what we would say if we were really watching the movie of our life. And here's the truth. We are going to go out in a spectacular way. God's wrath is coming. His rage is coming. And we will face God's wrath as humans. His rage is going to pour out on sin. Deservedly so. It will be just. It will be right for God's wrath to be poured out. So don't ever let anybody say, oh, I'm, I'm good enough. People don't deserve to go to hell. No, we do. We're weak. We're sinners. We're enemies of God. We deserve God's rage. And I'm sure glad that's point number one. Because if that was point number two, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble because, yes, we deserve God's rage, but point number two, and my final point, God gives reconciliation. Yeah, we're thankful for that. See, we can't stop in the middle of these verses. Go back to verse 6. Look at verse 6. We may be weak. We may be ungodly sinners. But what happens next? Christ died for the ungodly. Wait, wait. The innocent one did this? Jesus who lived a perfect, sinless life? Who is son of God, not enemy of God? Jesus, the one who lived this perfect life, who faced the temptations of sin that we face, and yet he did it completely without sin? I mean, think about that. He had no sin, you know. Blows my mind. No sin. He faced it all. He didn't deserve death. But he died. To take our place because we We're too weak to defeat sin. He took our place. Go to verse 8. How much love did God have on us? How much? So much that even though our sin is heavy because there is so much of our sin, I mean, think about the amount of sin that we have. It's staggering. It's staggering. How many times do we sin a day? 
multiply how many times you sin a day by the number of days you have in your life. It's staggering how much sin we have. It's heavy. It's a heavy load to bear. Even though God knew we wouldn't let go of that sin and we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the full weight of all of our sin on him and died for us. Put that in light of verse 7. Verse 7, For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Let me ask you, who will you die for? Who would you be willing to die for? We would say family. We'd die for our family. We would die for some close friends that we have. Maybe, maybe we would die for someone who doesn't deserve it. Maybe a little kid. We would put our place, our, our, our life in the line for a little kid. I, I know, um, you know, when you talk to military guys, they're dying for our country, but they'll tell you, I hear all of them say, oh, I'd die for any brother I've got up here. We die for that, but would we die for our enemies? No, it's the opposite. We kill our enemies. Thank God he is God, right? Mm. I mean, in light of this verse, here's the thing. We are none of those. We're not friends. We're not family. We're not someone who doesn't deserve it. We're the enemy. And still, Christ died. I mean, we're horrible, horrible sinners against God. And still Christ died for us. Go to verse 10. We're enemies. Christ died for us. You know, it's more than just, hey, thank you, God, for taking my place. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. You see, he, he took us from the enemy side to the hero side. That's what he did on the cross for us. He said, you no longer have to be an enemy of God. You can be an ally. You can be a friend. I mean, he did all of that for us. He restored us to, to righteousness. He reconciled us to God. He made us right with God when we are so wrong against God. His death made us right with God. We're not the bad guy anymore. And it was by Christ shed blood. That's what that verse tells us. Look at the end of verse 9. We are reconciled. What a beautiful word. We now have a good relationship. We won't face God's wrath. We're saved from that. Look at the end of verse 10. Once again, we're reconciled and saved. How? By Christ's life. He has reconciled us. So, what is our response? What should our response be? Why are we here tonight? Celebrating the Lord's Supper. Remembering that Christ died in our place and three days later, showed his power over death by coming to life, therefore giving us that's life. I'll be honest, this is why as pastors we push the Lord's Supper and say you need to be here. What did Christ do for us? What did he do? 
What is our response? We rejoice. That's what it tells us. Because he has made us new. He's reconciled us. That's what verse 11 says. It's a beautiful verse. Let me read it again. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, even though we deserve God's rage, his wrath, he will give us reconciliation. The question right now is how? How can you receive this reconciliation? By faith. Romans later tells us in, verse, in, in uh, chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning if you confess that Jesus now reigns in your life, he is the ruler and we follow him. I think we don't take that word Lord seriously enough. We're just like, oh, just say you're sorry and you're in. Well, that's not the case. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and so if you confess that he rules, he reigns, and that you're going to live for him, it says if you confess that and believe that God raised him from the dead, three days after he died for our sin, he showed his complete power over death by raising to life, showing us he can raise us to life too because he controls the key to death. And so if we confess that he is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. In other words, you will be reconciled. Why are we here tonight? Because believers should rejoice. Why? Because God, through Christ, has redeemed us through his death. So, let the redeemed rejoice tonight. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I come to you once again in the precious name of Jesus, thanking you so much for your death that reconciles us to God. I pray that we will have tonight remembered what you did for us, remembered your love, remember who we were, and yet who we are through you. Thank you. It's not even a good enough word for us to say, but we say it. Thank you for making us heirs, adopting us into your family. And I pray that if there are any here tonight who have not called on you as Lord and have not believed that they will have faith, that you will give them the faith to believe. Take this Lord's Supper Help us to remember it throughout this week and even longer so that we will share it with those who need to hear it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.